0: Well, it is such a delight to welcome you today to our Advent service. And we are beginning a Advent series this December. And today, as you've just heard, the theme for the second Sunday of Advent is peace. You know, so many lack personal peace and peace in their families in our world today. Uh, recently, a friend connected with uh, another friend from years ago. And discovered that this friend has no contact with her father. Uh, Apparently he now is separated from his second wife and uh, has allowed some very bad habits to creep into his life. What's so strange about that is at one time in his life he was studying to be a counselor to other people. Here he has led his own life to have some habits that have estranged him from other family members. And yet, in his own life, he was studying to help others learn how to live peacefully. And now here he's in a situation where he cannot live peacefully himself. You know, as I think about that story, I have a simple question. Why is peace so elusive? that even those who are training for peace and advising others to have peace miss peace themselves? Well, I think we know the answer. It's the absence of Jesus. It's the absence of Jesus. And that's why it's so encouraging for us to turn to God's word. And this morning we're going to turn to Micah chapter 5, one of the great prophecies about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and discover that when he comes, he will bring peace. Now in Micah chapter 5, and I encourage you to turn in your Bibles there, Micah is right after the book of Jonah, and we're going to look at the first five verses of chapter 5. And what we're going to learn is that Jesus brings two types of peace. He brings eternal peace with God and personal peace in our hearts. Now, in this amazing prophecy of Micah, he brings together the two advents of Jesus, his first coming and his second coming. And in his second coming, what Micah teaches us is that we can have eternal peace with God. And then in his first coming, Micah shows us how we can have personal peace. And I think all of us know those two are connected. It is only when we have eternal peace with God that we can then have personal peace in our lives and in our circumstances. And so what I would like to do this morning is as we look at this text in Micah 5, I want to begin with the second advent. And I want us to see in verses 3 to 5 first that Jesus' coming gives eternal peace. Jesus' coming gives eternal peace. Listen as I read, starting in verse 3 of Micah 5. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Now in this portion of Micah's prophecy, he looks to the second coming of Christ when the Jews will be regathered at his return. We know it's when Jesus returns that many of the Jews will return to him. So this part of the prophecy has two fulfillments. The Jews as a nation one day will accept their Messiah and be restored to God. But that will happen because of what Jesus has done on the cross for believers today. Now I want you to notice the key statement is in verse 4. He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Look at those terms for the coming shepherd. He shall stand. It will be in the strength of the Lord. It will be in majesty. It will be in the name of the Lord, his God. What are those terms telling us? This shepherd is a perfect shepherd. Jesus, then, we are being told, is God's perfect shepherd. Now, we all know that one of the favorite titles for the Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible is the title of shepherd the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23.1. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep, John ten, fourteen, and 15. Jesus is the chief shepherd who will one day reappear, 1 Peter 5.4, and he is the great shepherd of the sheep, Hebrews 13.20. Now, a shepherd has two duties for his flock, and it's so wonderful to see what Jesus does for us, his flock. First of all, he gives us peace with God. Let me read for you verse 5 again, and he shall be their peace. The apostle Paul quotes this verse in Ephesians 2.14 for what the cross has accomplished for us. In the cross, Jesus has made peace between us and God, putting away our sins through his blood. And because that's true, Jesus does a second thing that all shepherds did for their sheep. He gives us eternal security for our future. Verse 4 says about his flock, they will dwell secure. Now I love how the Bible fits together because this uh, secure future is described for us in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. And listen to the security that we have for our future. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This is the security that Micah is prophesying here in Micah chapter 5. Now I want you to ask this question. Did you notice why if we are saved we are secure? In verse 4 there's a, a little four. And that four is the reason why God's flock, Jesus' people, his sheep, are secure. And what does it say? Well, we shall be great to the ends of the earth. Is that what it says? No. I'm tricking you, aren't I? I'm pulling your leg. It doesn't say we shall be great to the ends of the earth, it says he shall be great to the ends of the earth. The reason that we are secure is he shall be great. You are not great, I'm not great, We can't keep ourselves secure in our salvation, but he is great, and because he's great, we are secure for eternity. I want you to think about it in this way. If the Lord, and that's who Jesus is, is the good shepherd, who is the chief shepherd, and the great shepherd, then the peace he secured at the cross for his flock is a secure peace. That has to be true. If Jesus, who is the Lord, is the good shepherd, who is the chief shepherd and the great shepherd, then the peace that he secured for his flock at the cross has to be a secure peace. I want to ask you this morning, do you have this peace? If you come into this relationship by repentance and faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have, it is an objective fact. It does not change. Even on those days in which you may not feel, I am at peace with God you are at peace with God because by faith in his son, he has created that eternal peace with the Lord. So as a Christian, you are at peace with God and you are secure because your shepherd is great. Now that's where we have to begin. We have to begin with a relationship of eternal peace with God, and that's what Jesus brings to those who know him personally by faith. But then as we back up to the first verse, we discover that Micah prophesies now about the first coming, the first advent. And here we learn that Jesus' coming brings personal peace, Jesus' coming brings personal peace. Let me read for you verses 1 and 2. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from, of old, from ancient of days. Now verse 1 here is predicting the Babylonian siege of Jerusalem, which happened exactly 115 years after Micah predicted it in verse 1. And as I've just read about that siege, it doesn't sound very peaceful to me. It doesn't sound very hopeful. Ancient sieges were a horrible thing to go through. Entire families would starve to death in the siege. There would be violence and murder, humiliation. There would be slavery of the captives and then the degradation of captivity itself And the amazing thing here is right next to this chaos of death and destruction, we have one of the most wonderfully hopeful prophecies about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. And we have to ask ourselves this question, what gives here that such degradation, death, and chaos can be right next to such a hopeful prediction? Well, don't you feel at siege sometimes in your life? Of course, we all do. Not being sieged by armies, but being sieged by things like disease, misfortune, being sinned against by others, or being mistreated. We often face the siege of death or or loss. And God does not always take away those things, does he? This siege was going to come. God was not going to remove it. But what does God do in our times of siege? God gives us peace in the midst of them. This morning, you could take a pen or a pencil, and across these three verses in Micah 5, you could write these words, God is in control. God is in control. Siege is coming. It's going to be painful, says Micah. But God is so much in control that you, as his child, can have personal Peace. I love the picture here that Micah paints of the control that God has. Notice the things that he shares with us that tell us that in our lives, no matter what siege is happening, God is in control. Uh, Micah tells us that, that God has no limits. God has no limits. See, one of the reasons we are often robbed of peace in our lives is we're limited. We can't change our circumstances like we would always like to. Often we feel helpless. This amazing prophecy here in verse 2 about Jesus being born in Bethlehem is so amazing because of its detail and the fact that 700 years before Jesus was born, the precise place of his birth was foretold. And only God could predict 700 years ahead of time that his son, the Messiah, would be born in Bethlehem and make it happen. That's one of the reasons why I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He fulfilled this prophecy to precise detail. But what's interesting here is that Micah focuses on a specific thing about Bethlehem. He calls it a little one. A little one, too little. It's interesting that word means to be despised or judged to be weak. And that's what Bethlehem was. It was a very tiny and insignificant town. In fact, today, if you go to Israel, you will find It is still exactly the same. Today, we might refer to it as Podunk, Iowa. If we really wanted to belittle it, we would say Bethlehem was a one horse town. And what was true of tiny little insignificant Bethlehem was going to become true of the nation of Judah that Micah is prophesying to. They would become weak, and insignificant and they would be ruled by others but listen to what Micah is saying at the very moment that Rome with its iron fist was oppressing God's people to its tiniest little village he would send his mighty king what is that telling us is telling us that God has no limits. God is so self-sufficient, he needs nothing or no one to help him. He can do the impossible all by himself. You know, in recent weeks, I have been praying for two young men who have stage 4 cancer. Both of those young men have young families. And you know when you have stage four cancer that that is the greatest chance that you can die with cancer. And many times all they can do is prolong your life. Many times at stage four they cannot cure that cancer. And yet why am I praying for these two friends of mine? Why am I asking God to intervene in their life? Well, you know the answer. It's because God is in control of cancer. He can do the impossible all by himself. I remember when I was just uh, a little tyke, they discovered a, a spot on my grandfather's lung, and they were concerned that it was cancerous. I remember my mother asking our church to pray for my grandfather, which they did. And the next time they x-rayed his lung, the spot was gone. And as a little boy, I remember my mother saying she believed it was an answer to the prayers of God's people. You see, when we pray to a God who has no limits, it should give us personal peace. We are limited, but God is not. Now we might ask this question, what happens when the spot is not removed? What happens when God does not answer in the way that we had hoped? Well, there's a second evidence here of God's control, and that is this. God accomplishes his purposes in his time. God accomplishes his purposes in his time. Listen to verse three here again. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Now this verse here is moving ahead to the second coming of Christ. The labor and the birth here this time is referring to his second coming and the she is a reference to the nation of Israel. We know that because Israel will be regathered when Jesus is ruling and reigning, as verse 4 says he will. And Israel has not been regathered yet, and he is not yet ruling and reigning. So this is a promise, a prediction of his second coming. I want you to fasten on three words. Three words. Until the time. Therefore, He shall give them up until the time. May I ask you a question? Whose time is that? Whose time is that? Well, it's God's time, isn't it? It's God's time. God has a timetable. And if we were to say, why is God waiting so long to fulfill his promises to his ancient people, the Jews, You know what the answer is? It's because he's making salvation available to you and to me. If God had already fulfilled his promises to his ancient Jewish people, grace would not be extended to you and me in this church age. How many here are watching today are glad God has extended the time? I think we all are. How many are glad God has his own timetable? Well, of course we are. Listen, if he has his own timetable on a worldwide scale, does he have his own timetable for your life? Of course he does. Of course he does. What does the Bible say about the coming of Jesus? When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, Galatians 4, four. Jesus came exactly on time, and He will come again exactly on time. And if God can be on time for the whole world, can he be on time for your life? Of course he can. Of course he can. You see, we're like the Jews. We don't often know God's purposes, nor do we know his timetable, but he has them. He has his purposes. He is working out. He has his timetable And that's why in the Christian life, we are called to wait and to trust for his time. That's a big part of the Christian life. Waiting and trusting for his time and knowing he accomplishes his purposes in his time is a great source of personal peace. Well, now there's one more evidence here that Micah gives to us in this amazing prophecy that God is in control. And that evidence is this. God can reverse things. God can reverse things. He can put things back together that have been broken. He can heal broken lives. He can heal broken nations. Listen to the end of verse 3. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. May I pause and ask this question? Who are the rest of his brothers that Micah is talking about? Well, they are the ten lost tribes of Israel. They went into captivity much earlier than Judah went in as they went into captivity to the Assyrians and Judah would go into captivity to the Babylonians and we know that the northern tribes are scattered to the four corners of the earth and that breach between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom has never been healed but the Bible teaches us that when Jesus returns there will be a great regathering of the Jewish people. The Bible says that they will look upon him whom they have pierced and they will mourn for an only son. And Paul says in Romans chapter 11 that many in the nation will turn to their Messiah and be saved. Listen to how Isaiah describes that day in Isaiah 11, 12. He will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. That's what Micah is talking about. The rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. I have to look at this and ask this question. If God can heal that brokenness and put things back together for his ancient people, what things can he reverse in your life and put back together? A marriage? A drug problem? An alcohol addiction? A failure? A broken relationship? And if God determines in your life not to remove a siege that you may be now under, can He restore courage, strength, love, joy, and faith? Of course He can. Of course He can. God can reverse things. He can bring back together that which is broken. He can heal broken lives. And there's a wonderful message here for us. When God does not reverse the siege in our lives, and sometimes He doesn't, it's because He's doing something better, He's restoring us. You see, God is capable of reversing whatever siege our lives are in right now. He has no limits. He is working out His purposes on His timetable. And He is a God who can reverse things. He can reverse the siege. But when God does not reverse the siege in our lives, it is because He is doing something better. He is restoring us. And either way, either way, that is a cause for personal peace. Do you see what this amazing bringing together of the two advents of Jesus is teaching us? We can have eternal peace with God, a secure peace because Jesus has come. And because that relationship has been made right, we can have personal peace because God is not limited. He has his timetable and he is working in our lives. And oh, the peace that comes to those who know him and experience him in this wonderful way. Let's bow together, shall we, for just a moment, and let's thank the Lord for this great Advent day and the peace that only the Lord Jesus Christ can bring. As you bow your head and close your eyes right where you're seated, do you know this Lord Jesus? Do you have this eternal peace that we are talking about? You have no doubt that you have been brought into a relationship of eternal peace with the living God and that you are secure for all time to the end of the ages and into heaven because he shall be great to the ends of the earth. It's not that you are great or I am great, but he is great. And as the great shepherd who is the good shepherd and the chief shepherd, he has secured for you a peace if you will receive him. Have you come to know him that day, that way? If we can help you in any way, that's why Bethel Baptist Church is here in Marquette, Michigan. You contact us, our desires to help you to find the eternal peace that we have found with the Lord. And then if you're a believer here today and you know Christ, can you write across the sieges of your life? God is in control. He has no limits. He's working out a purpose according to his time schedule. And he can reverse things, either in my circumstances or in my heart. But either way, it is a reason for me to thank him and say, Lord, I will live in the peace that you have provided for me. Would you express that to our Lord today? Father, how we thank you that these ancient words are so encouraging in our hearts today. We're so grateful that Jesus has fulfilled Old Testament prophecy to the very letter, and therefore we have absolute confidence that he is who he said he was, that he went to the cross, died for our sins, rose again, that he ascended into heaven, that he is coming again someday, and we live in the peace of that glorious return help us today to truly know our god and in knowing our god to walk with him to trust him to allow him to work out his gracious plan for us and each and every day to become more and more like him so that we can reflect to those around us that we truly know the living God, that we serve the living God, that we live in the peace of the living God, and we are joyfully awaiting the wonderful hope of his return. How we love you, Lord, today. Work in each of our hearts because we believe your truth, and we'll thank you and praise you. For Jesus' sake, amen.